Dermot Kennedy kicked off this half hour on Radio Sussex and Radio Surrey from the BBC. Let me take you all the way back. Do you remember this? Yeah, what's Red flying at, Narika? It's PR'd on the blink side. Oh, great. You two anywhere near the scene? Yeah, about two minutes. Come here, I said, stop! Come here! 40 years of the bill today, to this very day, in fact, and my lunch break guest is Edward Keller, who hails from Eastbourne, is a TV historian, and to coincide with the 40th anniversary of the show, on this very day, in fact, he's written his debut book, Reaching a Verdict, which looks back at the groundbreaking police drama The Bill. As part of his research, Edward revisited all 188 episodes that were broadcast in the 1980s. So we're looking at The Bill 1983 to 1989, which suggests that, of course, there's more episodes to see. And therefore, Edward, nice to see you in the studio. More, more, maybe another book. There is potential. There's certainly potential for extra volumes. We'll see how it goes. But certainly it could keep me busy for a while yet. Yes. And it was part of our lives. I mean, we're, we're doing 83 to 89 here, but it ran all the way up until well, certainly the late 90s. 2010. Beyond. Was it 2010? 2010? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I didn't know it was as recent as that. And it started off as an hour-long uh, TV show, which you went back to eventually. Yes, yes. Um, but at one point, it was, and I'm thinking of the late 80s into the 90s, it had almost become like a police soap opera, hadn't it? Well, the thing is, it went from an hour-long series into an all-round series of half hours, but they kind of kept it as a self-contained series of individual stories. Yeah. And they worked for that quite well for a decade, and then sort of, I think gradually it became slightly more serialised and a little bit more soap opera-like. But yes. that was only after quite a while, I think. And yeah. I mean, and the soap opera really pertained to the the police officers rather than the storyline. Yes, it, it became a little bit more going home with people and uh, seeing what their problems were and uh, some people becoming quite very bad apples, you know, and yes, <laughs> yes. serial killers on the loose. Absolutely. Like that. It was a bit more sort of uh, dramatisation, wasn't it? Um, and, but it kind of um, reflected fairly accurately, as I re- remember it. I mean, feel free to correct me on any of these facts. But as, as being... Uh, accurately de- depicting policing in the in the 80s in, yes. the, in the same way that one could say unfortunately the Sweeney represented policing yes. in the 70s well the thing I mean that's the thing about the bill it's the only police drama one can really think of that is about the police not about crime yeah. and so it really kind of shows you the, uh, the ugly side of the tedious side it shows you the boredom of having to wait around to do something it shows you statistics PR all that kind of thing complaints all that kind of unsexy stuff that makes it, it makes it fascinating um, and that's interesting to make a hit out of that as well, because they did look at all those more mundane aspects mm, of policing. Yes. Um, but it seemed to still captivate the public. Yeah, well, I think so much of it is the way it was filmed, kind of a kind of groundbreaking way of filming things, really, with single cameras following people, very long takes, ambitious takes. And I think just a cast of people that had great chemistry and were just absorbing and fascinating for people to watch. And they, they like to get sucked into that world, I think, and yeah. root for those characters or root against them sometimes. But it was a kind of appealing world for people to dive into, I think. And the opening credits, which were fairly um, consistent, yes, they uh, they they kind of set the scene for those ambitious shots because mm. that was one long shot. That was that wasn't seen before either, was it? No, no, no. That's kind of long kind of takes of people moving moving straight towards camera. First, they started with some moving feet. Yes. Then, then the uh, sirens of the cast kind of screeching to a halt, and then it goes you straight into the the titles. Yeah, it became a very familiar thing. I think that everybody got used to. I mean, I remember the nineties watching uh, as a kid in and out dipping in and out then so did 15 million other people so it was kind of one of those background things you know yeah. people just got used to it and thought would always be there i suppose but 
but not to be not no. to be um so uh, as you being considerably younger than i you remember it from the 1990s you revisiting episodes from the 80s these are things then and because it was ongoing the the there weren't repeats because it was no. it was constantly being shown and we didn't have channels that repeated things in the way mm. we do now so this would have been fresh material for you when yes, you started your it was research a, well i mean I, I first got into it about 15 years ago when i got the dvds of the early series and and just thought to myself this is something very different from other crime dramas it's kind of quite violent and dark but it's also quite wacky and daft yeah it's got the two things alongside each other sort of light and shade together and i just became more and more interested in it over the years and then of course the show came to an end so suddenly it became an, an outdated archive thing but then very, very luckily i found this podcast run by oliver crocker that uh, interviews people and and that really gave me the basis and the inspiration because it, it was such a, a hit of people interviewing stars of the, of the show and cast met crew members and uh, I approached him and saying, what if I go back to the beginning and write some thoughts about the early years? And so, yeah, going back to stuff before I was born. But um, it's kind of in a sense you get familiar with it from studying it repeats. You know, you kind of get comfortable with the material. And I think it's, it's turned out quite well, I think, because I didn't expect to have I didn't start out with a specific plan. I just thought, let's watch it and see what comes out. And yeah. there's, there's so many depths and layers to it when you look into it. So properly, and so part of your research, obviously rewatching it, did you get to interview cast and crew as well? Um, and did you get the view of the real police? No, no, that's the thing because Oliver has, as Oliver Crocker, has written a couple of books about the making of the early years, where he's got histories and accounts of people who were there, and it's a very in-depth and fascinating account. It kind of takes research to a kind of new level, I think, of, mm. of TV shows, and this kind of complements that well because, in a sense, this is just my opinion on the fiction, and the, and the two things go don't really cover exactly the same ground so they go alongside each other pretty well but you get together you get a pretty thorough account of like analysis of what it's doing and also how it was made you know so the two things work together quite well i think without me actually being directly involved in speaking to people and what what in your view do you think the police's view was it of it as a crime drama it did run quite a long time Mm. so obviously themes and and challenges for the police will have changed in the intervening years 1983 to Mm. to 2010 is a long time in policing well it's one of those things i think was pretty unpopular at the start certainly with the senior officers because i don't think they'd have liked that kind of warts and all view of the police But I think very quickly the, uh, the officers on the ground who were actually involved in cooperating and clearing streets for the production team, they, I think, started to appreciate it because they, they liked seeing the whole range of the job being put on screen, which hadn't really happened up to then. Mm-hmm. And I think as time went on, it became it became pretty closer to the police and I think it did lots of messages for them, I think, good and inspiring messages about issues that they wanted to put forward. So yeah. it became close without ever becoming too close. I think it still challenged the police while also presenting them in a good light at the same time. Yeah. Any ch- I mean, I don't know the circumstances, and it's not covered in this book, for the reason of its cancellation. All sorts of things change in television, of course. But any any op- opportunity, do you think, for it to be reprised? Well, it's difficult. I mean, it's difficult in the sense to bring back the bill, the brand, as it were, because it's kind of associated with a certain time, I think. And but, the phrase as well. If you said, yeah. to, said to my son, let's the old bill. He goes, who? <laughs> yes. It, yeah. it's, it's an out-of-date expression. It is. But the thing is, I think a Bill-type show, certainly, something that looks at the whole range of policing and looks at the issues, especially now, because, I mean, I mean, the last few years, it's been a fascinating time to write about the police because they've been COVID bullies and they've been murderers and rapists and then they've been, you know, helping protesters, supposedly, or, or cracking down on them, depending on your point of view. So, you know, they're kind of all villains to all people, as it were. And that's kind of one of the things about the book is that, we, you know, it's not unprecedented these kind of issues were debating about society being divided it was there in the 80s as well and the police were the kind of the footballs in the middle there yes, as well yes. and i think a show that could really examine that is sorely missing i think yeah in yeah. tv yeah and as you say it's, it, it, it provided an honesty an honesty mm. to the reality of the situation you mentioned actors there 
that it didn't concentrate on on any one particular character or, or actor. There were some very very strong mm. characters and some very strong performances yes. put in, um, particularly earlier on. I mean. Ted Roach was was an iconic yep. character and not necessarily always a goodie. No, no, but not, not always a baddie either. No, that's the thing. He was a kind of a maverick, but a kind of realistic maverick. In yes, the sense that, you know, you kind of root for him and you think he's an idiot at the same time. It's kind of interesting. Um, we had yeah. Tosh, who was yep. you know again flawed as a character in many ways, but a much loved character. Mm. And then you had um, Sergeant Cryer, who was. Yep. Uh, p- predominantly a positive he was but then the great thing is even he could mess up from time to time and if he got it wrong he got it badly wrong and that's the great thing about the show is there is no hero in it everybody kind of gets their turn to be challenged and such and that's what makes it fascinating i think a challenge is um one of the challenges for the police and arguably still maybe a challenge to the police and yesterday's lunch break guest is the was the inclusion officer or one of the inclusion officers of surrey police um uh, uh month and oaks who was who was fascinating to chat to as well but it, 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 certainly in the 80s would been perceived as a man's world but there were there were female officers mm. strong characters maybe changed a bit of perception on on the sexist role yeah i mean the thing is it started to examine things like that sexism and racism in the police and it, and it kind of gradually built more characters who were slightly more representative of a slightly wider society i think it was a slow process and i think tv was probably quite as slow as well as as the police itself so it took a while to get a more balanced picture on the screen but it certainly shows you the issues that you know women face in the job for instance about kind of being accused of being too emotional or having all the, the bad jobs jumped on them like mm. supporting victims and things you know because they're seen as it's being women's work you know and, and, it, and it kind of examines that and challenges that and suggests is that should that be you know not accepted i think so it does it does help to show a, a changing picture i think yeah. yeah yeah um reg hollis we need to mention reg yes. hollis was a was a one of the longest running characters uh, and when he when he departed, wasn't uh, that was quite controversial in the mm. in the in the press as well? So people really really identified with uh, with them, didn't they? Well, I mean, they they say famously the police said that there was a a reg in every real police station. You know, that there was somewhere that there was somebody and every liking. radio station as well. <laughs> yes, uh, but I mean, but he was more than. Um, he was more than just the comic yes. thing. They, they, there was substance to him. There was. And, it, and it's another person who becomes slightly more heroic as time goes on because really he starts out as a kind of a villain and a bigot in a way. And yes, he, he, does, he, yeah. he acquires more layers, I think, as, as many characters did. And then he starts to become more involved in the community issues and starts to become you know, that, that guy who, who solves crimes on his own, you know, the, the, the genius detective in a way. Yeah. And, yeah, no, definitely. Look, we we did mention some of the female characters, but we didn't name them. Sergeant Ackland mm-hmm. uh, was another favourite, and uh, Polly Page as well. Yes. So they were the two of the main female leads. There were others, weren't there? Um, uh, and a couple more, and then we'll 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 move on. Don Beach, Bill Murray, Billy Murray, and Burnside, our yes. own from Brighton, uh, Chris Ellison. There, uh, these these were very very strong characters. Mm. Well, I mean, they were the icons. I mean, they're the people you need. A long-running series needs people like that with, I think, with charisma. Somebody who just draws his eye when they're on screen. You know, um, great master of the one-liners. I mean, some of the Birdside uh, one-liners were yeah. very memorable. Like, you know, like the, the famous one. You know, when he wants somebody charged, this offensive charge, a possession of an offensive mouth. You know, yes. things like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which come into the public psyche, mm. don't they? In the way, and I, and then that also provides the kind of soap opera element because it's drawing parallels with the sort of banter that uh, Mike Reed would have as Frank Butcher and EastEnders mm. and things like that and you come up with it um, what next for you then you've you've paralleled this there could be more yes, well, more Bill stuff hopefully there could be moving on to the second phase which would be the early 90s which is again another great period of the show again lots of 
hard hit and controversial stuff and the same much the same cast of characters in it so that would be a, a good second step i think if we want to and a, and a different tv genre altogether i mean you're a tv historian so you obviously yes. you, you are across tv mm. in general yeah well i mean i'd like to look at some other shows from the 90s i think I suppose that's partly nostalgia in a sense, because that was my, my, my childhood in a sense, but maybe some of the adventure TV in the 90s. A sort of a look at a kind of TV of that period, I think, would be interesting, because it's a period when mainstream terrestrial TV was still kind of very dominant before we all went down the streaming route. And, yes. And so shows had a big impact and a big reach on people. Oh, absolutely. And uh, that's an interesting thing to explore, yeah. All right. Well, it's been lovely to have you in with us today, Edward. We wish you luck in that. Thank you. 40 years happy. Happy birthday to the bill today. I've been chatting to Edward Kallitz, the 40th anniversary collector's edition of Reviewing the Bill, the early years, 1983 to 1989. The I should just mention, should just mention the, yes. the small print, the important small print. Uh, available Amazon, Waterstones, and also available on order, devonfirebooks.com. And I should also mention, I mentioned to a colleague earlier on, but he wasn't interested, that the front of Sunhill, the facade, the exterior... was shot in Collier's Wood just down the road from where I grew up so oh, there's an right. industrial estate there hmm. that you go through and even now when I drive past I say to my kids that used to be the front of Sunhill Police Station <laughs> I mean I say kids they're in their 20s now and they're as disinterested now as they were maybe 10 years ago but that's kids for you Edward Keller thank you for being our lunch break guest